United States that has the name Bone Gap. Where did it get its name from? Well, Native Americans, years and years, centuries ago, they found bones in a crevice, and they called it Bones in a Gap, and that's how it became Bone Gap. Uh, Vernon and I, one time, we did one of our Thelma Louise trips where we just got in a car and went west, and we came to a place called Chugwater, Wyoming. What in the world? It only has a little over a 100 people, and there we, we were at a crossroads, and we ate bologna sandwiches and chips and watched the semis go by going through Chugwater. Well, what's it called? Well, if you find it, know anything about Chugwater, you do some Googling, you're going to discover it has the best tasting water in the United States. So that's why you want to chug that water. I mean, we have names for all kinds of stuff. And uh, we've been looking at names of Jesus. Jesus has been called by almost 200 names, different names. I'm working on a lesson right now on the names that Jesus' critics called him. And looking at blasphemer, glutton, and drunkard. Why would you want to cover that? Well, you, have you ever been called a name? I'm entitling this lesson, Sticks and Stones. Because we get called names. How does Jesus handle the name calling? And you and I are going to be misunderstood and we're going to, we're going to go through some things sometimes. When you follow Jesus, you can bet your life somebody is going to put you in a category and put, a, put a name with you. And it may not be a pleasant one. Well, how do you handle that? Jesus shows us how to do that. And that's coming up in a few weeks. I noticed that Jesus calls himself, himself, not only do people call him by certain names, he called himself by certain names, and we've been looking at several of them, haven't we? Doctor, Cornerstone, uh, last week, Son of Man, the most common name he calls himself. Wow, was that a trip? Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the name The Vine. Gary is working on that lesson, and Mike Denius is working on the Logos or the Word. He's looking at that. And today I want to look at a word that Jesus used to describe himself or a name, he, you might say, a title, a descriptive name. And it's the word servant. Look at this, what Jesus says here in your notes and up here on the screen. I'm among you as one who serves, Jesus would say. Because I've, when I came to this earth, I was one that came to serve as I lived among you. You see, servanthood dominated the mind of Jesus from his birth to his death. In fact, you could say that service was his purpose. That's what he was about. And so Jesus, we, when we look at Jesus, we find that he not only defines what a servant is, but he also defines how a servant lives. Now, here's a passage up here in the scriptures that didn't have room for your notes. I mean, I, I had so many scriptures. I cut out. I, I started this sermon, started with eight points, folks. So you're lucky to get five. Just bear with me. But, I mean, there's tons of verses, tons of verses. And if you look at this passage here in John 13, Jesus is basically, he's, um, it's, it's at the Passover meal, the cross is before him, he's, and he's having the Last Supper, you might say, or a meal with his disciples. And uh, normally, when people would enter a banquet or a dinner, there would be a servant at the door, and he would... Because they wore sandals, their feet were always a mess, they were always dirty, and the servant would wash the feet, and then they would walk in with nice clean feet. You say, well, what's so important about that? I'm not trying, I'm just saying they didn't have odor eaters back then, okay? And back then, you, you laid down and leaned against the table, and your feet were somewhere next, next to the guy's head. Uh, so, you don't want to smell some stinky feet as you're trying to eat whatever you're eating, right? And so he, so they, they, they'd always do this. A servant would do that. Well, nobody did it because this was a very private meal. There were no servants there, just the disciples and Jesus. Well, there was a servant there because what happens is Jesus notices this, gets up. I don't even, I can't believe they didn't even notice this. <laughs> he walks over, gets a towel, gets some water, and walks over and starts washing feet. And it's freaking these guys out. What's he doing? What is he doing? Gets to Peter. Remember what Peter says? What are you doing, Lord? Are you going to wash my feet? Well, I've washed three others. I mean, surely, you know, I'm coming to you. You're not, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, then you can't be part of me if I can't wash your feet, Peter. And what does he say? Well, in that case, wash all of me. Look, this is a G-rated meal. We're not going to do that here. That's not what... You don't even need a bath. Just your feet need washed. 
And, and then he goes on, he, and he, he washes Peter's feet, he washes John's feet, who would, those feet would, those feet would follow him to the cross, stay right there with him. He washes, uh, Judas's feet, who w- would walk to him and kiss him. And he, when he gets done, look what the Bible says here. He says, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his clothes, he sat down and spoke to them. Do you realize what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And look what he says here. And you're quite right, for I am your teacher and Lord. Here's a question. Just a question. Go back to that verse. Here's a question to think about. Is Jesus really my teacher? Is he really my Lord? That's a question. I mean, he says, you call me that and it's correct. Would he say... You're correct, Tim. You're correct in saying that, you're, that I'm your teacher and I'm your Lord. Or to be someone else. Now get the next verse, next part. Notice he says, but, but if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you must, you must be ready to wash one another's feet. Then he says, I've given you this as an example so that you may do as I have done. He's wanting us to do what he's done. Then he says these words, Believe me, the servant is not greater than his master and the messenger. And, I, you know, that's interesting. I wish I could have got this in your notes because I'd have you circle that, servant and messenger. They go together. Your servant, your service speaks. You know that, don't you? Service speaks louder than just words here. He says, believe me, the servant is not greater than the master and the messenger is not greater than the man who sent him. And look what he says here. But once, this is once you realize these things, You'll find your happiness in doing them. You'll really find what joy is. What? In serving. And so Jesus' life exemplifies this life of service. And, and again, it, 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 is, it goes with his message. I don't think we would listen to Jesus if he, wasn't, if he was selfish, would you? Do you listen to selfish people? I don't. No, but boy, when they serve, like I've said this a hundred times, People can explain away what you say, but they have a hard time explaining away when you serve. And see, that I just get tingly thinking about that. The message that people need to see from Christians is service. Uh, When we start treating others, loving others, serving others, putting others' interests above our own, wow, it's powerful. Very powerful. So what I want to do now is just talk a little bit about, so what does Jesus show me with his example about service? What can he show me? Let me give you five that made the cut. Number one, God calls me to ministry. If there's anything I, I see from Jesus is, is that God calls me to ministry too. I mean, Jesus was aware of this. Look at this passage in Isaiah 49.1. And this is a passage that has been accepted both by Jews who believe the Messiah would have this trait and by Christians, early Christians. It says, before I was born, the Lord called me to serve him. This was written about 750 years before Jesus was born. And it's been called a messianic prophecy. As if the Son of God saying, before I'm even here, before I was born, I have been called to serve. And so Jesus is very aware of his calling. Here in John 6, up here on the screen, look at this passage. For I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus knows, I've been called by God, and it's not to do my will, not to do my thing. I'm not here on earth to do my stuff. I'm here to do God's stuff. And notice in Philippians 2, Paul would say this about Jesus, that he accepted the role of a servant. He accepted it. He chose it. He accepted what God gave him, his calling. And what's, what's it mean by role? Here's some other words for role. Nature, type, kind, character, the character of a servant, the form of a servant, the pattern of a servant. See, a lot of people, they assume that ministry is just really for the professionals. They get that idea. It's the professionals that are supposed to be, they're the servants, but that's just not true. Every Christian is a minister. I remember years ago when I talked about this, uh, had some members come up. So I'm a minister here too. I said, yeah, can I be listed in the bulletin? Why not? Yesterday, uh, Scott Purcell was introducing me to some family. 
at Stacy's uh, memorial service. And it brought me great joy to hear him say this. Usually I hear this, and I'm not, I'm not offended when you say this, folks. So don't try to read more into it, okay? But I, I, instead of hearing, this is Tim, the minister of our church. Like, oh, I've been busted. I'm coming in, you know, low-key, undercover, and now you've busted me out. And everybody's heads turn, you know. Well, now, here's what I get. I loved it, Scott. I appreciated what you said there. He said, this is Tim. He does some of the preaching at Greater Alton along with Alan, along with Mike, and along with Gary and Nathan. And just, I'm like, that's right. That's exactly true. Isn't that awesome? And it was just so, it was so nice to hear that, to hear that for a change, I guess. Because a lot of people assume that it's for the professionals. And by the way, you say, well, those are all professionals. Well, let me finish the story. When I was talking to this woman about this idea we're all ministers, she said, well, I'd like to visit a jail, but they won't let me in because I don't have a certificate that proves I'm a minister. I said, let me print you up one. And I printed her up one, and there you go. She goes, are you, not, are you kidding me? I said, You're, every Christian. Listen, folks. If someone somehow made a mistake, you'd think they made a mistake when they say, oh, this is so-and-so, and they introduce you as, their, as a minister at Greater Old Church. They're not inaccurate. You're a servant. That's all it more means, is to be a servant. You know, you say, well, I'm not on a payroll. Well, I know a lot of people that serve that aren't on a payroll. Do you? Yeah, and they still serve. And you, but it's but it's for everybody, and that means also that everything you do when you serve God, down to the minute detail, matters and it's important. Even if it's greeting people at the door, or cleaning up the auditorium, which you know these little munchkins come in. I say munchkins; they're, they're incredible people. They come in and they volunteer and they clean up our auditorium so that we can sit and not trip over stuff. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to see that. It's nice to see people that are trying to, to respond to their calling. You'll notice in your bulletin, we've got two ladies, uh, Kelsey Disler and Melissa Gill, that are wanting to start a mom's ministry. Isn't that awesome? It's just so awesome to see that. They're saying, I've, been, I've been waiting for this. This is fantastic to have a mother's ministry here at Greater Alton. Because some of us, you know, and by the way, we, we need to have a papa ministry too. But we'll, we're little baby steps here, okay. But I just think it is so cool that they would step up and do that. It's exciting to see our kids' ministry. we got some volunteers in there, have had them in there. They've been slugging it out back there. They're concerned about how long this sermon's going to be this morning. But also, we, I just, I talked to three ladies, uh, that said that they would help with registration back here. And it's nice to see people step up. It is so cool to see people go, you know, I was doing this at one time, but now I'm gonna be on the worship team. And they're gonna sing, and, and the music is so rich. Isn't it? It's awesome when people do this. They, they hear their calling, and God calls me this way one time to serve. And then He may call me this way one time to serve. It's just, I think it's fantastic to see. I'm watching some of our members. They're doing this now. They're, 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 by the way, they're coming up here during the week. And many of us don't know this. Two times, three times a week serving in a small group or in a counseling group. It's just fantastic to see. These aren't professionals that are doing this. They're just everyday Christians Why? that say, I realize that God's calling me to do this. Let me ask you a question. I had to ask myself this question. You say, well, Tim, it's an easy answer for you. Not always. Because when I'm in certain venues, I ask myself, am I more like an attender or an attendant? You know, when I'm on a plane, I'm sitting there in the plane, and here come the flight attendants. Well, who are they? Well, those little people that give you that little can of soda, if you're lucky, and a bag of peanuts, Right? And, and, and I was at Poncho, uh, uh, Poncho's, Mr. Poncho's yesterday, Denise and I went there, and the service was awful. It was just awful. But as I was looking around, I went, oh, I know why. They were overloaded. It was crazy in there. 
You say, well, when did you go? We, we went mid-afternoon, you know, late afternoon. It still was crazy from lunch. And I'm watching this guy. You know, I got a glass of water, and I'm starting to get a little edgy. Denise is noticing. Calm down. I go, I can't believe it. What's the deal? And then I look around. I go, well, I see what the deal is. You know, when I, I walked up to two guys standing there at the counter, and I said, where do I go to get a refill for my water? Is there a place to refill? Just trying to be, you know, that kind of way, rather than going, where's my water, buddy? You know, and they go, well, your attendant will take care of that. Okay. Standing around doing nothing. And he finally got to us. And again, what what I noticed was, was just this whole idea of serving and serving. And it can be, it can be tough sometimes. But I was there as an attendant. I was on the plane as an attendant. Or I mean as an attender, not as an attendant. Oh, how am I when I'm with the body of Christ? And what, what am I going to be in the kingdom of God? Will I be more of an attender? Or will I get in a game and be an attendant? See, God calls us to this. He calls us to this all the time. See, you and I were made for ministry. You and I were created to be servants. Look at the Bible says here in Ephesians 2. God made us to do good works. You were created. You and I were created to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Remember what Jesus said earlier? Before I was born, I was called. God, Lord, called me to serve him. Paul's saying to us as Christians, before you were born, Way in advance, God said, I want to use you. I want you to do good works. I just want you, I want you to be able to do that. See, I, you guys, listen, you and I are not saved to sit and wait for heaven to come. We're, we're, we're supposed to be more than that. We're supposed to be more than that. And, and we're, he, he wants us to respond. God says, respond to my call to serve. If you check, write this down. Look at Ephesians 4.12 sometime. Just look at it. And you're going to see that the purpose of the, of the leadership of the church is to what? Prepare the saints for works of service. So you're made for ministry. So God calls me to ministry. Second thing I notice from Jesus, the principle he shows me is, I serve God by serving others. Oh, wait a minute, Tim. Isn't serving God about, you know, being devoted to the spiritual disciplines of life? Like... Prayer, Bible study, you know, making decisions to be morally pure, things like that, you know, praise. Absolutely. When we, when Jesus calls us to serve, to serve Him, to, when God calls us to serve Him, we're to worship Him. It's our spiritual worship, according to Romans 12. Absolutely. But serving God includes my care, not just my conduct. He wants, he wants me to have got good conduct, godly conduct, but he also calls me to what appeals to how I care about people. Look how James sums this up. I love the way James, he puts these two together. Religion that God accepts as pure and without fault. Oh, there you go. There's a great, what does God accept? Pure and faultless. What is it? Look what he says. Caring for widows and orphans who need help and keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. I see two areas of service there. Do you see them? It's what I do for myself, what I do to myself, keep myself from being polluted, that spiritual morality, but also what I do for others. In this case, it's widows and orphans. And see, Jesus lived this way. Remember, he, did he say something like the greatest command? He asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, and the second one is like the first. It's like the right neck and neck. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says, everything that's been said by the prophets hinges on that very thing. It's so important. It's like a hinge on a door. Have you noticed one of our doors doesn't work? Anybody notice that? You're yanking on it, trying to get, trying to get in. What's the deal with that? Sometimes the hinges are out of whack. And we have to get the hinges. And once we get them lined up, then the door works just fine. One of the hinge pins in God's kingdom is to serve, serve others. Wow. And look what Jesus says here in Mark 10. Follow my example. Even the Son of Man did not come for people to serve him. Would you underline that for people to serve him? He did not come for that. He came to serve others and to give his life to save many people. 
I'm noticing a trend that's been around for quite some time, maybe since the church began. But you notice it a lot in America especially. And that is that people are looking for a church that will serve us rather than a place of service. Yeah. And see, Jesus is nothing like that. He says, I didn't come here to be served by people. I didn't come here to get. I didn't come here to consume. No, I came here to give. I came here to contribute. I came here to serve others. So so God calls me. We learned from Jesus so far. God calls me to a ministry. And he, and he also, he also says that ministry includes serving others. I mean, if you could do a, a, a gas gauge, okay, and it says S on one end and S on the other, one re- selfish service, where would that be right now in your life? Is it, do you tend to be more about service or is it, oh, I'm still, I'm still about me, man. Because there's a third thing we learn from Jesus, and that is that my motive for serving matters. That motive that I have, those motives, they matter so much. Look at Proverbs 16.2 says, Even when you think you have good intentions, he knows your real motives. God knows. Now, here's the tricky thing about motives is we're always trying to figure out somebody else's motives. Huh? Why did they do that? I know why they did that. I remember one time asking Nathan one time. He was about six, seven, and he hit his brother. I go, why did you hit your brother? He goes, I don't know. I just wanted to. <laughs> and be, you know, maybe somebody will do something goofy at work or somebody will do something in your family or some friend or at the church, and you go, I know why they did that. And you've got your Perry Mason, Matlock, uh, whatever law and order already figured out. They did it because of this and this and this. It may be... You're thinking they did it that way because that would be the motive you might use. Just saying. Mm. Motive matters. The thing is, see, only you know your motive and only God knows your motive. And that's really all that matters. What does God think my motive is? What is my motive? If we could just be honest. One of the things that we're getting ready to do in the kids' ministry, they're, they're going to do a series called Kids Rule, and I'm wanting to steal it for a sermon series. Because the kids' group doesn't say adults drool. It doesn't say that. It just says kids rule. And we're looking at all the parents, uh, in the, or all the kids in the Bible that are, that do things for the Lord. And one of the things that Nathan said, you know what I love about kids is their honesty. They're just so gut honest. They have no filter. They haven't learned to lie very well and when they do see I, I know my motives you don't have to worry about my motives so much I know mine you know Tim are you aware of your motives as much as you are of yours and God knows them too unless I tell you unless you tell me I don't know you don't know but they matter that's one thing we can agree on and people serve God for all kinds of reasons. Let's see, like what? Well, some people serve God because they just have a great compassion for people. Like Jesus, they see people and they go, man, my heart just goes out to them. And they want to do something. And some people, maybe uh, uh, some ministries have, have, have started here because of another reason. They have this motive because I've been hurt so much. I listened to one of my best friends one time at Saddleback Church talking to a counselor. And the guy says, looking at his chart and goes, I know now why you serve the way you do because you were molested as a child and you don't want that to happen to anybody else. And I just watched him start crying like you got me. Sometimes pain is a good reason to serve. You see it and it hurts. Or you've been hurt by it too and you don't want anybody else. You know why I go? I, I direct camp at 64 years of age? Camp was one of the best weeks of my whole life. And I want every child that I'm directing have a great time at church camp. It's just a passion of mine. But it's, but it's seated in some pain because my home life sucked when I was a kid. And I know a lot of kids that have that when they go home. And I want them to have a great experience that to know that God is the answer. Sometimes praise and approval of people. I want to be affirmed. We'll serve, you know, for that purpose. And you say that, well, that's not a good one, Tim. No, it's not, is it? 
but we'll do it for the approval and praise of people. Sometimes it's a dream. I just always dreamed this. I've always wanted to be a part of something like this. I always wanted to do something like that. And let me tell you, if you've got a dream for a ministry here at Greater Alton, I don't want to squelch it. I really don't. It may be it's time for that to become reality. And some people, they, they serve God because of gratitude. They're just grateful. They're grateful to God. God's been so good to them, they want to be, they want to be, say, God just used me in whatever capacity. There's financial reasons people serve God, as long as there's money in it. There's, there's position. I'm, if you're the only buddy that serves, but then they lose the position and they quit. Yeah, there's, that happens. Or maybe there's pleasure. Sometimes I serve because I just enjoy it. Well, the problem is, what if I start not liking doing it? What if I don't enjoy it anymore? What if it's, I mean, the cross was not, Jesus wasn't going, having, living the dream, having a great time, wish you could join me. No, not like that at all. He was going through the cross, going through rejection. He goes through all this suffering. And so some people, you know, and, and I've been there where the pleasure is gone, and I begin to question, should I do it? Or maybe there's guilt. I messed up, I messed up, and I'm going to have to make up for it. Like there's some kind of hidden scale. If I do enough good, then, and I want to tell you, man, guilt's a, listen, is guilt a good thing? It's a great place to start. Kind of like a motorcycle. It might kick start you, but you can't ride on that very long because what happens is we get bitter and bothered and resentful our guilt we just can't get it's just there and so we start up getting upset and bothered with God lots of motives lots of motives look what Matthew 6 says here don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired for then you will lose the reward from your father in heaven Romans 8 says this, people who are self-centered aren't able to please God. You know, it's funny, a, a poor motive does not satisfy God. And if you notice, it doesn't do much satisfaction for you either when your motives are out of whack. Yeah. I ran across this poem years ago, Improving Your Serve by Chuck Swindle, a book written back in the 70s and 80s. And it says, this is how, it's called I Wonder. It goes like this, you know, Lord... How I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how eagerly I speak of you at the women's club. You know how I effervescence at the fellowship groups. And you know my time of genuine enthusiasm at a Bible study. But how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed me to a basin of water and asked me to wash the callous feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. And Jesus really challenges my motive. How about you? Got to have a good motive, folks. And Jesus shows us the best motive of all, that the best motive to serve God, and it's love. In John 13, look what it says here. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go back to the Father. Jesus had always loved the people in the world who were his. And look what it says here. Now was the time he showed them his love the most. He shows, John says, this is a time that Jesus loved, loved us the most. What is it? He's washing feet. Wait a minute. What about the cross, John? Well, yeah, for God so loved the world. I said that in John 3, Tim. And just to get ahead of you here, in John 15, I will write that greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. So what are you saying, John, when you say this? I'm saying it stood out. It stood out. This love, serving others, stands out. And so he shows us. It's what's driving Jesus to serve is this incredible love. And like Paul would say here in 2 Corinthians to the church at Corinth, he says, Christ's love guides us. He means it directs us. It drives us. It squeezes us. It squeezes out all the service out of our, our lives. It constrains us. As he describes his ministry. You see, when we love, 
The towel will speak louder than the talk. It really will. The words you speak, well, they're confirmed when you serve. And church, a lot of people are talking. I do a lot of talk too. Jesus challenges you and I. What about the serving? How much, you know, actions speak a lot than words, Tim. What, where's the serving? Greater Alton, where's your service? Number four, I must be willing to suffer. This is something I learned from Jesus when I look at how he serves. I must be willing to suffer. He's called the suffering servant by so many people. And there's so many verses. I, I had to cut out so many. And it bothers me because this one, think about how much serving and suffering he had to do while he served. It helps me identify when I'm serving, then I get those moments when I'm, I have to suffer. See, I don't like to suffer. Anybody else that way? Suffering is not a cool thing. I don't get much kick out of it. I don't get much pleasure out of it. I don't want to suffer. I want to avoid suffer. I mean, God, I came to you because I was suffering in sin. And now you're telling me that I'm still going to suffer? Oh, yeah, but it's different. And it's much better. And if I want to serve like Jesus, oh, I've got to embrace I've got to choose suffering. Look what Jesus says here in your notes. I came into the world to suffer. Because I came here to suffer. Are you, you into that or what? What? That's, that's what I came in to do. That's why I came was to serve and, and, and serving includes suffering. Folks, we can't help but watch the Olympics. Look at all the stuff that's going on and whether they're doped up or not. The time these people put in and the sacrifice they put in there is incredible. It's time, well, do, are any of us, uh, is there anybody here that can do a quadruple or anybody can do a, uh, is anybody planning on the Olympics? I've, maybe I've, I've, oh, of course not. Closest I ever got to the Olympics was watching it for the first time. That's it. Well, Tim, you could have been Olympian. <laughs> maybe. But I'll tell you what, I know what it would take. Because I see it too many times in all these people. They have to go through sacrifice and suffering like you've never seen. No time is their own. They're constantly developing, working on that craft. And that's something I don't want to do. See, to accomplish something worthwhile, it's going to involve suffering. If you want to, if you have a better marriage, guess what? You're going to have to suffer. Well, I am suffering already. No, you don't know what suffering is, folks. <laughs> suffering is letting go of your way. Well, he's doing this to me. She's doing this to me. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because I got news for you. Like my old man used to say, it takes two to tango. And I tell you what, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if, if the marriage is going down the tubes, I'm gonna be serving as it goes down. You see, wimpy doesn't work. And listen, I, if we could, ha- if 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 God put a list of the top ten wimpy people in Greater Alton, I'm gonna be on that list. I'm just being honest with you. I am a wimp when it comes to this stuff. And I, and, and the thing is, and I can speak from, I can speak from, uh, you know, an example. Oh boy. That wimp doesn't work. We have to weigh into this suffering. We have to embrace it. Because when I'm wimpy, I'm never gonna grow. I don't, you know, some of you here suffer when you serve, and you know what? You're the greatest example of growth. I watch you and go, I want to be like that. I watch some of you husbands take care of your wives and serve them as they were dying, and I'm going, will I be able to do that? That takes a lot of guts. When I listen, watch it, watching husbands and wives or, or kids and parents. And my mother says to me, my mother says this to me, 90 years old. And she's watching. I, sorry, I told him, 90 years old. 
You know, sometimes I can be real cranky and I want to be able to be a, a spiritual matriarch in the family when I come back. But I can be grumpy and frumpy and out of line. I want to be like that. And how can, how's she going to do that? She will have to suffer. Bite her tongue, hold back, deal with painful truths about herself. I, I, I never grow when I'm wimpy. And I'll never transform into the likeness of Christ. If I remain afraid to suffer. Jesus was willing to suffer. Look what he says here in Matthew. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must, didn't say he might, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer how many? Suffer how many? Many things. Many things. Not one or two. I thought Jesus, you know, the suffering on the cross, oh, there was much more than that. Misunderstandings, ridicule, rejection, betrayal, thankless job, nine, ten lepers, nine leave, don't even come back, only one comes back to thank him. Look what Jesus says here in John 12. Now I'm very troubled, that's interesting. Very seldom you find Jesus bothered and he is very troubled. What should I say? You know, when you serve, it's going to mess with you emotionally. What should I say? Should I say, Father, save me from this time of suffering? How many times have you said, oh, God, get me out of this? Should I say that? He goes, no. I came to this time so I could suffer. I cannot lie. I'm not lie to you, church. I'll tell you, serving is tough. And I'm not interested in being a progressive church as much as I am being what God wants. Okay? I'm all in favor of trying to make things understandable and relatable to the world and to our, our culture. But there's some things you just can't sound sexy about. He says, he says there, I, I came to suffer. And he says, you follow me, you're going to suffer too, Tim. And I cannot lie, serving is tough. It's not for the babies. It's not for the wimpy. It takes courage and faith, maturity, responsibility. It can be discouraging. It can be exhausting. It can be... Inconvenient is a nice way to say it butts into my life all the time. And it can be so painful when you put yourself out there. When you're serving, you're so focused on this person and helping them and you get blindsided by them or someone else. You're not focusing on you, see, which is awesome. Jesus wasn't focusing on himself when he was serving people and they blindsided and they, they got him and they killed him. So we can't be surprised by this. I've watched, I've seen some great servants in, in the last 40 years in the kingdom of God that have crashed and burned, become bitter and resentful because they were hurt. They feel unappreciated. I don't know if I can look you in the eye because I know some of you here feel this way. You don't feel like you've gotten the credit or the appreciation. Amen? I'm not serving again, not putting my heart out there. I remember hearing one servant particularly say, I'm not putting my heart out there ever again to get crushed like that. And I said, you'll never be like Jesus. And I want to say to you, if you felt, feel that way, Jesus' example still encourages you to pick up the towel again. And I would encourage you. I know it. Man, we all been hurt. We've hurt each other. And man, when you're trying to serve somebody and they don't appreciate it or they criticize you, that's my biggie. When I get criticized, well, I'm going to quit. You know how many times I've come close to crashing and burning? I mean, I mean, I see the landscape coming 
And I go, but wait a minute. Jesus kept serving even when they, he endured the, saw the joy set before him, endured the cross. He sat there on the, he could have come off of it any time. But he stays on that cross and they're killing him. And I'm just incredibly curious what that's like. Aren't you? What would that be like? To be that devoted to serving God that you will suffer. Why? Listen, I don't know why. I, I can't answer the question in a a way that would satisfy you if you've been hurt from suffering. It just happens. And it's too bad it does. But I would encourage you, would you would you at least consider picking up the towel again? Gee, if Peter says this, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. God is excited. He's, he's honors it. He's wowed by it. And he says this. Look what Peter says. He had his feet washed by this Jesus, okay? And he's... <laughs> how many times Jesus, Peter saw his feet and thought of Jesus? Well, maybe it was this time. To this you were called, he says, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footprints. Steps. got to be willing to suffer, folks, if we're going to serve the Lord. Can't avoid it. And here's the last thing I noticed from Jesus, that serving blesses my life. Maybe that's what makes the suffering worthwhile. Isn't that what the Bible says? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, So he, and he sets down at the right hand of God. He saw what was ahead. That's also in Isaiah 54. He saw He saw something that satisfied him. The light that satisfied him. What was it? It was worth it. It was worth it. As much suffering and as much hell I went through, it was worth it. Jesus said this in Acts 20. We're reminded of these words. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than receive. I, sure, I, we get blessed. I, I was at... Uh, Mabry's fourth birthday party at the bounce house and she's getting presents and she got, she got Disney stuff. That's the thing now. You gotta get Disney stuff. And you better, and I learned something at the daddy dance. I better learn the, the words of these songs or my kids, my grandkids are gonna disown me. I've gotta be able to sing with them now. It's kinda like when the boys were young and teenage mutant ninja turtles. I had to learn their names, which was difficult. That was only four things. These songs from Disney are amazing. And I'm watching my granddaughter just get excited. And I'm watching another granddaughter getting so jealous. Why did she get that? And I didn't get that on my birthday. It was just, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I do think it's, it's good to receive. It's good to receive. But you know, if I keep receiving, I'm going to pop. I got to have some outlet here. I got to have some way of giving. Because Jesus says, oh, you're right. Tim, you're going to have a good time getting. I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you my grace. I'm going to give you my continual forgiveness. One of the lessons I'm working on is Alpha and Omega. And one of the benefits of Jesus being the Alpha and Omega, He's the beginning and the end and everything in between. So He forgives us every day. That's one of the things I love about, about the Lord. It just keeps following us. It doesn't stop short. It just keeps flowing all the way to the end. But Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. And Jesus, his example, you don't see him receiving a lot except a lot of guff from people, okay? And, 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 uh, maybe that's why he's saying that too. I don't know. But blessed, he says to, it's more blessed to give. Let me give you ten benefits of serving. Are you ready? Don't come up to me afterwards and say, what were those points again? Well, you just talk to somebody. Some of you come up to me, I need that point. What did you say? I don't remember. My head's mush. Okay. <laughs> Here they are. Ten things. Serving honors and pleases God. That's the first thing. Amen. Number two, it's good for me. Want to feel better? Start serving. If you're ever down in the dumps and you feel all depressed, go serve. I've done this. It works every time. Serving brings meaning to my life. 
You're looking for your purpose? Try serving and you'll find meaning. Serving helps me discover and develop my gifts. As I serve, I find out, oh, I can do this, or I can't do that, or I learned another gift, or I learned another thing I can do, and it develops it, helps it grow. Serving exercises my faith. Faith without works is? Okay, faith without serving is? Yeah, just as dead, there's no pulse. Here's another one. Serving helps me grow and mature. People that serve, I've watched people serve, they either grow bitter and bothered, or they grow up. And it helps me serve and grow. There's things that, that serving exposes me to that later in life I go, oh yeah, I did that years ago. I, I got exposed to that. I can handle that. Here's another one. Serving develops gratitude. I think the more we serve, the more we see the heart of God and how good He's been to us. And I go, man, it, is this, this is the kind of stuff God... Oh my goodness. Gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Serving connects me with other godly people. There's nothing like getting in a ministry with other people. I'm watching this happening in the children's ministry. I'm watching it happen in the campus ministry. Even the greeting ministry or the parking, whatever you, whatever ministry you're in. When you got a buddy and you, you get to meet people that are not in your small group. You get to rub shoulders with people that you normally don't get to rub shoulders with. And it's kind of cool. Serving improves my church. I don't know how many times I've sat around here after somebody's baptized, we sit in a circle and someone will say, I just love the statement, you know we're a better place because you're a part of it. Well, servants make this church a better place. Helps the health of this church. And lastly, serving changes lives. There's nothing like seeing somebody's life change. And God let you be in on it. It's wonderful. I love these words. Matthew, Jesus says these words in Matthew 25. The Master answered, You did well, good and faithful and loyal servant. Because you were loyal with small things, I'll let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. I love that verse. I'm not saying that when we hear somebody say, Good job, or that's great, or you did wonderful, that we don't say, Oh, that's nice. But all to hear the, the words of the Master say, Well done. Good job. Now somebody will say, that was a good sermon, Tim. Really? Yeah, I love that funny story about Mabry. And, uh, yeah. I long to hear it. You know, well, I long to hear my Lord and my Master say, that was a good sermon, Tim. Why? Because you touched somebody. You got it done. Way to go, God. Now let's try not to screw it up next week. Oh, just to hear those words. And then he says, come and share my joy. I get to share, I get to experience the happiness that God has when He served. He's saying, you get to share that same kind of joy. Let's share it. He doesn't want to keep it to himself. Oh, come on, let's, let's experience it together. What a passage. So let me ask you as we close. What, what does the example of Jesus reveal about your service? Another question. What message What's the message your service is giving right now to the world? I've got to ask you this again. Are you more of an attender or an attendant? It's important. You see, you're going to give yourself to something. I noticed something as we as we uh, shut down stuff during COVID. In fact, I've noticed this for a long time when we shut down particular things, when we uh, quit having Wednesday night classes, when we quit having a Sunday night service, you know what you all did, most of you? You replaced it with something else. Amen. Oh, I've got margin now. I could... Yeah, what'd we do with it? And when COVID, when we shut down, oh man, well, I, all i got to do is flip him on whenever I want. I know some of you are going, oh, I want to still have services. I know that. And it's so good to be together, huh? Yeah. Uh, but as we start bringing stuff back in and ramping stuff back up, we're going to need servants. But I've given my life now to this and this and this, Tim. Hmm. Well, what are you going to do? Because service is a choice. What will you give yourself to?
Ask yourself this question. Where could I serve now? In my community? I just, it just excites me. I know some of you here have done, you've done t-ball and soccer. You've coached. You get to meet all those other parents. Isn't that cool? And some of them are unchurched. They don't have a church at all. And it's so cool. Or you, or you get involved in your community. You get involved in your community in some other way. Maybe it's through a, a charitable organization. And that's wonderful. Where could you put, we need to have our, God needs his salt and light all sprinkled all over the community. You know? Not just in the shaker like we are right now. Where could I serve in the community? Ask yourself this. God, where could I serve at Greater Alton? What do you need me to do now? You know, am I in a primary in a ministry or, or what can I do? It is, oh, I'm not very good at anything. Well, you could watch kids or you could watch the doors or you could sweep or you, it, maybe it starts there. I don't know. But where? Ask yourself where that would be. What a suffering servant we have. Let us be like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the example the selfless example of your son. Jesus, thank you for not only washing our feet, but washing our lives. And Father, um, we ask that we not only be emotionally responding emotionally to what we're talking about in this this series, but that we'll also also move. We'll, 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 We'll start putting your character, letting you change our character, putting your character in our lives and letting it make those adjustments. Well, we pray for, I pray for more servants, for more servants. And if we have, if we're one of those people says, yeah, but where, where? God, would you reveal where? I know this, usually there's several places that any of us could serve. Just reveal them to us, Father. And give us that willing spirit, that spirit that will pick up that towel and maybe pick it up once again. Father, I, I, I'm, we pray together and I just look at this audience and I go, man, we're, we're a better place because of everybody here. Everybody. Thank you. Oh, God, help us. Help us love each other and grow, and serve. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.